Hello and welcome to our podcast, On Your Marks. My name is Peter and I am the leader of St Mark's Church in Jersey, a growing, friendly Anglican church in the centre of St Helier. We want to take the Bible apart and see what's really in there, going beyond the face value to dig a little deeper into certain topics. We will bring you fresh content every week and hope you get a lot out of listening. So, if you're ready, let's go. Good morning, Ray. Good morning. And good morning to anyone listening. Um, It's lovely to have you here with us. I'm with my friend and mentor, Ray, and we're here again to do his take on our Sunday topic. So for those who may be just listening to the first, uh, for the first time today, we're in the middle of a sermon series um, in church called Sex, Drugs, Rock and Roll. Um, and so if you didn't hear last week's um, message, then you, know, you can go back and listen to it because we're on week two this week um, talking about drugs. But actually, as we discovered last week and as we discovered on Sunday, this topic is way deeper than the facade that that initial title so um anyway that that's that's the topic for today and we are in hebrews chapter 4 um verses 14 to 16 great shall i read the please do that would be helpful perfect since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens jesus the son of god let us hold fast our confession For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Ray, I've got a subheading here, Jesus the Great High Priest, and it just made me think, where do we get these subheadings that we see so often in, in the Bible? Right. Now, they, at the point of translation or retranslation, um, these are inserted. In, equally, the verse and numbering and structure is inserted. It's not part of the original text. So the original Hebrew, the original Greek, um, wouldn't have the almost breakages that you get. And you get some very misleading divisions. Um, Strangely, this morning I was reading a passage from Revelation, my Bible study, and um, the commentator um, pointed out that the original, the Greek, is not structured in this way at all. And some of the ways in which it's been divided up into chapter and verse, not only misleading, but directly unhelpful, and have given rise in some cases um, to wrong emphases, maybe uh, slightly misleading teaching. This really does highlight to me the importance of reading commentaries then, to sort of understand maybe where these natural breakages are not natural correct wow so um but you know we're not all greek i'm not a i'm not a greek scholar i I did greek but um 
I'm not a Hebrew scholar, certainly, um, and therefore I'm reliant upon other people's interpretations and comments and everything. Because, I mean, so would you agree then, what, what this subheading is inferring to me is that verses 14 to 16 is about Jesus the great high priest. Correct. But take that subheading out, leaves me to maybe look and think, oh, is it actually talking about drawing near? You know, or is it, is it, it's putting the emphasis actually on verse 14, yeah. we have Jesus the great high priest, rather than on anything else. Yeah. So do you agree with that? Um, I, it's usually, nearly always, I would have thought, helpful to have that direction um, and identification of themes. It's, it, it is useful. And I think that's a very appropriate heading in this case. Um, it's reminding us of, you know, yes, we can approach, but we can approach because our Saviour is a high priest. And um, so... Right. It's giving substance to what we discover in reality that this is why we can approach the throne of grace because there is the access through the person of Christ. Yeah, okay. So in this instance, yeah, we're happy with that. Yep. Just before we sort of really unpack some of the wording, and I really... Um, I really love and I want to talk a bit about verse 15 but before that the context of this book it's is it a letter to the Hebrews is it written by Paul do we know anything about that yeah um the uh, expert advisors make it are pretty firm that this is not written by St Paul right um the actual author is unknown um conjecture like in most places is unhelpful and distracting we believe it to be well tested and the original um, has a good pedigree shall we say for being in the canon of scripture because in these first few hundred years of the life of the early church um, a lot of effort went into ensuring that we had a reliable text of scripture and that became known as the canon of scripture um, yeah and hebrews like one or two others were given that extra testing i think um, because it was so hard to define the authorship that's one of the factors you see um also the, uh, the other sort of factor would be appropriateness and i mean argument about the song of solomon for instance, it's for some it's difficult to accept its suitability. Um, I'm happy with it. Most people would be, but you know, why is that part of the canon? Canon. So again, they go to great lengths. They went to great lengths to ensure that that was the case. And equally important, over the length of time, they've stood the test of time that the Word of God has hung together. And that's exciting. Mm, yeah. So, Hebrews then, written to to whom? To all? To him, um, like any part of Scripture is for all. Yeah. Um, but in, initially, 
directed or written um, to Hebrews, just as 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy were written initially to a person who assisted Paul, who was called Timothy, and who was had significant role in the life of the church. Um, just as other books of the Bible were written sometimes to specific groups um, or specific people. Um, more evident in the New Testament where you have the letters of St Paul who wrote to in specific churches, but with the intention often that they were passed on. Um, it may have been a letter written to somebody like Timothy or Titus or whatever, um, but there was an anticipation that they would be shared with others. Um, so Hebrews, um, it is a message appropriate to Hebrew believers. Which is that, I'm just sort of picking up on that, so the fact that they're even talking about a great high priest, to somebody from a different it, background, they'd have no idea what the high priest even well, they, was. It wouldn't have the same resonance, no. No. It, they wouldn't have the same background necessarily um, in order to understand the nuances of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I find he, he as a... I mean, yes, I have been mistaken for somebody Jewish. Um, really? And I was honoured to be so, I must, <laughs> I must confess. Um, and, and I've known so many lovely Jewish people in my life and have a great affection for them. When was that, Ray? Oh, we were on holiday with one occasion, on one occasion, and we got to know a family um, who were staying in the same place. And, um, and initially... We got to know him, the dad, as Alfred, and he called himself Alfred. Um, it transpired that um, as his proper name was Abraham. Oh, wow. And so we got into conversation about why I would rather like him to go back to his Abraham roots. <laughs> and, um, uh, but little while on in the stay... A very diffident and nervous chap came up to me, Abraham, Alfred, um, and said, look, can you answer us a, an embarrassing question? He said, um, I couldn't help noticing in the hotel register that you're down as the reverend. I said, yes, that's right. He said, we're, we're puzzled. Um, we, we think you are a rabbi, <laughs> but your wife looks too much like a Gentile. <laughs> and I, I said, oh, um, my dear friend, I was on greatly honoured. And um, yeah. So what, my, my thought is, what, what on earth were you doing to look Jewish? Or did you sound Jewish? Well, I don't know. I think, um, you know, facial features impact sometimes, don't they? Mm. Um, and so... But Nicola, obviously. Nicola, so evidently not. <laughs> and um, so, how interesting. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as a brief side note. So, to, to yeah, this I, then. But, but Hebrews is, I, I find, as a book of the Bible, get immersed in it. You've got to dig fairly deep. But in the process, and I think this is by the grace of God, he gives us some of the most amazing stories content and teaching and I, I was just quickly um par exemple um the opening 
verses of Hebrews where long ago, many times, in many ways, God spoke to your, our fathers by the prophets, but in Jesus, these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Now, that's, that is one of the most profound and powerful statements in Scripture, in my view. And um, this is what the gospel of Jesus Christ is about, that his son has spoken to us. Mm. Um, what did John say himself? You know, the word of God. The word was made man and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Comes in here. Mm continuity and you get passages like um, Hebrews 11 and a wonderful chapter on faith and a definition of faith and now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen for by it the people of old receive, receive their commendation by faith but he goes on to give mm. examples of faith. And I think you can't find a better definition of faith itself in this. Chapter 12, you get that wonderful statement. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Encouragement to live by grace and the power of God. Mm, and let us run with endurance the race yeah. that is set before us. Endurance. They, and those resonate with us and, and lodge deeply within our hearts and lives. Now what I don't want to do is to run away from our identified subject. Um, mm. And um, you might help me in this um, or Gerard might. I, um, dear Gerard, I'm fond of Gerard. I'm, um, people might not know that his his father lived in St. Juan whilst I was rector um, of St. Juan for 14 very happy years mm. in my ministry. Um, and the one thing I remember vividly about Gerard's father is his insistence on the proper French pronunciation of his surname Lefebvre <laughs> I always remember that yeah. I think there's a story one time he hung up the phone on somebody who, who didn't pronounce his name correctly quite, quite, probably quite true <laughs> that would fit that would fit well so you've, yeah, you've known Gerard a while so we, he spoke yesterday and this, this talk is available on YouTube but very quickly the subject of, of drugs was boiled down to a yearning we have inside ourselves that we often fill with other things and there's a call to be filled with the Holy Spirit instead of filling it with other things which will never meet our needs whether that is whether that is drugs or whether that is money or power or material things or whatever yeah. so that was the kind of subject um, that we, we kind of came to and this is one of the passages that, that Gerard used um, I understand that that's helpful and absolutely would su support what he's saying that everybody has got a slot within their lives we sometimes think of it as a 
God-shaped slot, which never is satisfied with anything other than God. Um, hence, when we try to fill it with other stuff that is unsatisfying, we get deeper and deeper into trouble. Um, because they, that which doesn't satisfy doesn't go away. It yearns for more. And it lies to us. And it says, oh, you need more of me. Um, and you have more, and it doesn't satisfy. So um, it's a process that then goes on and on and on in that way. Um, so what is the significance then of the high priest, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens? Because yeah. often Jesus is referred to the, the, the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. What's, what's all that about then? <laughs> the, Melchizedek was a high priest in, uh, in Jerusalem. Um, who was identified by that role um, as God's high priest, God's representative, um, and was clearly, I mean, we're not told much about him in, in reality, um, but that he was what he was. He was a high priest and was uniquely so. But he looked forward to a greater one who was to come. It's like all the, these characters of the Old Testament who um, modelled he who was to come. It's like Abraham, um, who, to whom was promised that he's, through his offspring all the, all the people of the world would be blessed, and masculine singular offspring. Uh, and... So in lots of ways, the Old Testament characters pointed ahead to their completion. So the, this extraordinary high priest, Melchizedek, wasn't complete, looked forward. Um, so something here too that I, I find exciting, quite honestly, um, there are plenty of people who think, well, I, I love to read the New Testament. I, I enjoy my daily study and I, I, I lap up the letters to the, uh, in the New Testament, St Paul's letters and others, and Peter's letters. Um, I'm much less comfortable with the Old Testament um, and some of the um, blood and guts that there are displayed there at times. Yeah. Um, and I find that the Old Testament is a bit um, a bit too full of judgment and the negative. Um, and, and people seem not able to identify or to see that right the way through the whole of Scripture, old and new, is displayed one who is full of grace and truth and hope and life, and so much that's positive. And here, in this passage here, we draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Now, this identifies what Christ, our fulfilling high priest, offers to us. He offers grace and mercy. 
He offers mercy because through him and him alone we have forgiveness, we have life, we have hope, we have eternity. And we find grace to help in time of need. Through him and him alone we can be satisfied, we can discover all that we need. And nothing else can satisfy in the way that Christ can and does. And this is the sadness, of, again, of people looking elsewhere. And at the bottom line, they are trying to find an alternative for him. They may not identify it as that, might not be able to recognise the competing com competition for that slot in our lives. But that's the reality at the bottom of mine, really. Mm. Do, you, do you think it is significant in verse 15... Who is unable? We, sorry, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses. It, how significant is it that Jesus, who is our great high priest, is able to sympathise because he was tempted? How, how and why is that significant, do you think? Well, I think it answers the um, accusation that, well, how can this man, um, who lived in a limited situation, who really was God, and he was, um, how can he understand my situation and empathise with me? Um, he can empathise with me because he has had all the same experience, not the same experiences, the same emotions and attractions and temptations that I experience. And when, I, however much I might wrap up my the temptations in contemporary emphases and ideas. They've been there all along in different guises right the way through history. The same it was down to very similar temptations. And Jesus, therefore, was exposed to the same temptations one way or another. And yet, but he didn't sin. sin. So therefore, we could conclude that being tempted is not a sin. Correct. Clearly. So, I'm just aware... Can I just be add a rider to that? Yes. Um, being tempted is not a sin. But, but willfully exposing yourself to a situation known to be tempting is sinful. Yeah, thank you for that. And is foolish. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you can think of your own situation, if whatever it is that you are likely to succumb to. Don't put yourself in the way of the temptation. Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking, actually, Ray. Um, when we allow our thoughts, when we allow, willfully allow our thoughts to go down the wrong path, or when we willfully expose ourselves to a movie which we know or an image which we know yeah. is not going to help us or a situation. Um, we are tempted, but we're willfully doing it. Therefore, that becomes yeah. wrong. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And that's where, with a, with a, with a film, um, I, still, I can't get the idea of a movie. A movie. Movies. <laughs> movies as, as opposed to walkie-talkies. <laughs> Or what? Yeah. However, um, yeah, 
but they've helpfully, first of all, when if I we look and see if there's anything on television, and there rarely is, um, uh, a film will be identifiable by fifteen plus um, or twelve plus. Mm. We long ago we abandoned anything fifteen plus. Now we're having to sort of put on the shelf anything twelve plus. We're looking for PGs, um, but you know you, you don't need to go down that wrong and inappropriate route. Mm. And they further give you the advice: you know there is violence, um, or there is sexual content, or whatever. Mm. Um, but going going back to this point, it is very encouraging for people who may be listening uh, and I can speak into my own past and about temptations I may have had but the feeling of being tempted is not a sin in itself it's not a sin no no that is not true the one who wants us to fall and get it wrong is the old enemy the devil we're in a battleground we're in a significant battleground. Um, our job is to follow Christ. Mm. That's our priority. And to glorify him in ourselves so that we commend Christ to others. That's so much a challenge. So, for these three verses, it's very short... But what would your take be then, the key point for everyone to focus on? With We can relate that to the subject or not. What what for you is the, the thing to take away from verse yeah. 14 to 16? Firstly, I would focus on verse 16. I would say that here is an encouragement to each one of us to draw near to the throne of grace. The the whole heart of all of creation, there is a throne, and it is called the throne of grace. Grace that God, in his mercy, lavishes upon us. And every one of us, through our relationship with Jesus, can come near to that throne. Mm. One day, for some of us not so far, we'll be before that actually and really through that throne of grace. And I love the way the writer just expands that slightly, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in times of need. So if I'm aware that I've blown it, I can come to a throne, I can receive mercy, which involves forgiveness and a fresh start, and a new opportunity and an exciting journey ahead. And I can find help in time of need. All the help I need People won't know this are listening, but we've both got smiles on our yeah. faces, Ray. Yeah. What a fantastic take from these passages, mm. or this yeah. passage. Thank you, Ray. Thank you.
See you next week. Thank you. We do hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to like and subscribe and share with your friends on social media. And please do get in touch with any suggestions or comments you may have. Thanks for listening and see you next time.